This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. Today on the show, I'm so excited to be chatting with Abby Halberstadt. She's on Instagram at M is for Mama, and her new book, Hard is Not the Same Thing as Bad, is such an encouragement for families who are working on a restoration lifestyle, a lifestyle where we are seeing transformation in our homes, even after hard things. So thanks so much for joining me today, Abby. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, you are definitely not one of those moms. Like, I feel like there's a lot of modern moms who kind of avoid hard. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, raising children is too hard or growing my own food or cooking from scratch or exercise. All of these things are just too hard. How did you develop this grit to go for the hard knowing that it was what you were called to? Man, uh, so I think I want to clarify that I am just as capable as anybody from running uh, to run from hard. Like that's that's where my brain goes many many days, and so I think that the important thing is to recognize that when we are talking about a cultural issue, which I think what you're describing is not just moms; it's like our culture as a whole where it says you wouldn't be served by walking this hard road. So instead serve yourself by walking the easy one and getting instant gratification. I think that that's where our flesh, that's where our sin nature wants to go. So it doesn't even surprise me when I see a largely secular culture gravitating towards that mindset of ease equals blessing, ease equals good, ease equals an answer to prayer in the way that I should go because the Bible is so countercultural, right? If we are biblical Christians, And we hear things like Jesus saying, he who would gain his life must lose it for my sake. If you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross. You have to be willing to leave your family. You have to be willing to walk away from success and fame and fortune. And now I'm putting words in his mouth. But basically, like you have to be willing to walk away from all of the things that the culture tells us that we should be striving for in return for true success which is a close relationship with Christ and following him only. And so I do, I do have to say that when I see people who are counterculturally willing to lean into hard, I genuinely believe that that is the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And that's mm-hmm. where the credit is due. And so I was raised in a Christian home. I saw this manifested and walked out for me and modeled for me in many ways by both of my parents who came from really hard non-Christian backgrounds for the most part and were determined to turn the tide for us as they became Christians as young adults. And so I really feel especially like I can credit that to my mom as someone who was always telling me, dig deep into Jesus. Your emotions may tell you this is too much, but there's nothing, no, there's no such thing as too much for the Lord. Um, So I'm grateful for that seed that she sowed in my heart. I think I can also credit to some extent some natural personality tendency. I like a challenge. I like things that push me in some areas, like with athletics or academics. But it's it's easier to see kind of the immediate result of putting effort in on the weight room floor or in your chemistry class than it is with your three-year-old whom you might be really consistent with for 18 straight months and still never see that breakthrough that you want, you know? And so with motherhood, it's just a whole different level of saying, oh man, I don't necessarily want to wake up in the middle of the night with this baby again. I don't want to deal with another toddler tantrum, but this is what the Lord has called me to. And therefore it's right and good. 
And yes. I will. So good, Abby. I remember as a younger mom, I also have a big family, seven children, thinking like, why do we have to homeschool because it's so hard? Or why do we have to be missionaries in Mexico and live off grid because it's so hard? Like, I sometimes would look at other friends and the the relative greater comfort in their lives and think like, why do we have to do everything the hard way? Yeah. But as my as my children grew, as my character grew, those things that seemed hard became blessings. Like I could see, oh my gosh, I mean, look at what we get to do, especially in regards to homeschooling. You know, it's such a, it really is a, another short season. Like I am essentially done. My last two are in high school. They're doing more of a charter school situation in California, which is like taking classes, a little campus and doing some online work. And so my, I mean, the joys of reading out loud to my children and making Play-Doh with them and all of that fun is basically over for me. Poor me. And it went so fast, really 25 years. It went so fast. How have you seen your character grow with each new child and each new challenge? Oh man. Uh, thankfully by the grace of God, I can say that I have seen it grow exponentially, not because I'm so great now and not even necessarily because I was so obviously terrible then it's the small things, the things that would really get to me as a young mom of quote unquote, only two that are kind of just par for the course. Like I was, I was talking to my sister-in-law earlier today and she was, you know, asking how my morning went and I was laughing because I was like, you wouldn't even know that I am a seasoned parent based on how busy I was this morning. Because I think there's this mindset that it's like, well, you you kind of arrive. And so you must have a system for everything. And there's some truth to that. You develop systems and they are really helpful. And I always encourage people to develop rhythms in their family life that serve them instead of create chaos in their homes. But this morning, because I have newly turned three toddler twins plus a four-year-old, there's just not going to be a system necessarily that contains that. And they're all three boys and that contains that much little boy energy as I'm making breakfast. So I was chuckling in my head as I was like, Hey, get down from there. Please don't touch the knife here. I'm going to put that in the sink. Don't touch the spatula either. That's near a hot stove. Yes. You may help stir, but you're gonna have to wait until I pull the chair up. Please don't put the chair in front of mama. Cause I can't get her. It was like a constant, just, just die, not, not diatribe, but monologue of instructions and corrections and encouragement. And that's okay, Betty, but you need to get over here. And so I'm like, I think people think you get past that. You grow past the actual hard stuff, but really you grow in your ability to handle it with more patience and grace because oh, God is there with you. That's so good. Hard I love stuff that. is still there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Just that the idea that we can grow. And I think moms listening should be really encouraged by that. Like mistakes are just an inevitable part of being a human, but recognizing a, that we can grow and do better next time. And also I love that you re you reiterate over and over the grace of God. I mean, it's the, the sacrifice of Jesus is enough for our anger and our failure and our yeah. bad attitudes and our complaining and everything. It's, it's enough. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of moms right now are kind of starting to think about the holidays and some of them are thinking about them with a little bit of dread because they grew up maybe in homes where the holidays were difficult or even maybe they still, because of that childhood trauma, have kind of messy holidays. Like they have to be with people that maybe they don't feel are life-giving or share their values, or they, even some of the simple traditions that should bring joy are actually 
uh, triggers for pain for them because of their family experiences. And in your book, you do write about growing up with a bipolar dad and just some of the pain that that caused you. How have you as an adult been able to navigate creating holiday celebrations with grace for your extended family, but also maybe boundaries? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things is allowing again for that Holy Spirit work in your life because in your flesh you're gonna, you are going to dread those hard situations. I don't think that it even makes a whole lot of sense to look forward with joy to hard interactions with extended family members who are difficult. It doesn't make sense to look forward with joy to things that have painful memories attached to them. And I don't think that the Bible asks us to do that. I do think that there are situations that can be redeemed over time and with the power of God to the point that they no longer hold the same sting that they did before. And I talk about that in those chapters about my dad, that the Lord has redeemed my heart in many ways from anger, from bitterness, from resentment. And it was a work of his spirit in my life, but it was also a work of years and time. So being patient to say, Lord, probably I'm not going to not resent this person in one week or even one year. And so the when we talk about that phrase that's so trendy right now, all emotions are valid, um, I like to think about it in, in these terms. An emotion may be valid in that it exists. So we're not, I'm not going to gaslight you and say that you're not really angry or you're not really bitter. Like that emotion exists within you. But then we have to be honest about what's leading to it. It could be a trigger. It could be our own selfishness, right? And then we have to be honest about what we do with it. So I don't love catchphrases or, or, or kind of the trendy words that buzzwords that get used in, in psychology these days, but mindfulness, while it's been captured by the secular community, is originated in scripture. We're supposed to take every thought captive to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, right? And so when we're heading into a situation that we know is going to be fraught, potentially, the Lord can the Lord can surprise us sometimes, but is is very likely going to be fraught with conflict in some capacity or another, or to some degree or another. Or we're heading into a situation where we know we might start to feel sad or anxious. We have to prepare ourselves with the armor of God. We have to put on the truth of the gospel and the um the sword of the spirit and and say, like. Lord, what would you have me do in these moments? I know I don't do particularly well when she makes passive aggressive comments. Help me to hold my tongue. You know, help me to be willing to say something kind in return to Ephesians 4.32, be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love, even though I she doesn't deserve it. You know, I think that mental spiritual preparation is at least half the battle. Yeah, that's so good. You know, the, just the idea that we have to be constantly evaluating those thoughts as they come, because not every emotion serves us well, you know, not right. every thought that we have is going to help us. And for myself, I, I had to go through like you, I had not not bipolar parents, but just so engrossed in their own pain. As a middle child, I felt invisible a lot. And and so I had to go through a process of really being thorough about forgiving my parents for the ways that they contributed to that pain. Because as a child, you just like, 
as an adult, I can look and say, oh my gosh, she had five kids. She was working. She had so much on her plate. She'd have been so, you know, neglected and verbally abused as a child. Like I can justify it all as an adult, but that doesn't change how we felt as a child. And so, you know, as an adult, I have had to go through a lot of forgiveness and not just one time, like I forgive you, but more like to myself, every time I'm triggered, God, thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. Because you've forgiven me, I choose to forgive this, this parent, I forgive them for their lack of sensitivity or the lack of love or, you know, whatever comes up. Because it is, it's another way of taking our thoughts captive that it's just so easy to dwell on those resentments, whether it's our spouse, our parents, our children. But when we can take those thoughts captive, learn how to walk in forgiveness. And sometimes there's boundaries too. Have you had to put up some boundaries in family get togethers and things like that? You know, I wouldn't say that we've necessarily had to put up boundaries physically like you can't come or we're not going to do this. I think it's more along the lines of if a topic starts to veer towards conflict, but not in a healthy way that we can be clear and honest and say, you know, this is, this is not something we're going to get into conflict about. This is not worth our time. Um, And if that's, if that's not, something that you can hold a boundary on, then we're just going to physically move on. Like, you know, maybe you stay on the couch and we're going to go work over here. You know, it's just, sometimes it has to be just really clear communication and it depends on the personality of the person that you're dealing with. My dad can take clear communication. Other people that we have in our extended family are more sensitive and you kind of have to be a little more subtle. Um, But if you're bearing with one another in love, it doesn't mean you don't speak the truth in love. It just means you're not intentionally provoking and you're not stomping on toes and saying, if they don't like it, get over it, you know, kind of thing. But I, my mom has a section in that chapter where she talks about setting boundaries and then trusting yourself to a judge who judges justly um, and not reviling in return when we are reviled, which is the example that Jesus gives us. And I've seen her walk out those boundaries of saying like, I will never leave you or forsake you. I've promised myself to you, but I will not do this thing because it is sinful or I will, you know, not because it will lead to my losing my temper, which is sinful, or it will lead to strife and I will have involved myself in strife. So watching her work through those boundaries has been really informative for me for how I deal with conflict as well, because she has, you know, had that for years um, from a much more intensive perspective than I have because she's married to my dad and then watching the fruit of it really, because I think that a lot of the boundaries that the world gives are simply you shall not cross this line or I shall leave. And then there's a lot of leaving going on a lot of just cutting off relationships, cutting off contact. And there are times when a relationship is truly abusive and you're in danger where that's entirely appropriate But I think the world is very quick to say, this person doesn't serve me, therefore I don't have to interact with them. And what you just said, it is a continual process of reminding ourselves, my sin put Jesus on the cross just as much as this person's did. And that is such a humbling, convicting, like uncomfortable concept because we absolutely want to prorate our sins. We want to be like, you know, listen, mine only put him like close to the cross. No, There's no one righteous, not even one. So even the boundaries that we set need to be prayerfully 
set before the Lord to say, am I doing this because it serves me or am I doing this because it advances the gospel and is good for everyone involved and glorifies you? I love that, Abby, because I have seen some families where like the mom is very turned towards the Lord, like she loves the Lord so much. And she just doesn't think her husband is a very good spiritual leader, or she doesn't think he's very godly. And so then she'll leave her husband so that she can do more ministry. And I think Mm. that's so funny that people would, you know, go minister to homeless people or go minister to drug addicts, but they're not willing to minister to their own husband who they made a right. covenant relationship with right. and had children with. Yeah. And and obviously, yeah, there's there are times when there are boundaries you have to put up. Nobody should should have to put up with being abused verbally or, or physically. But I do think there's a lot of, like you say, prorating our own, complaining, our fear. Like the the Bible commands us to flee away from fear probably a lot more than sexual immorality even. And yet moms yes. give ourselves such a pass for being anxious and controlling and scared. <laughs> so what are some of the ways that you and your husband have created new family memories despite like, because in the book, it talks about how your, your husband's mom was bipolar, your dad was bipolar. So you both had childhoods where there was probably some fear here and there you know if somebody's in a in a state where they are dysregulated it probably caused you guys some dysregulation at all as well how have you and your husband created a more calm and peaceful home atmosphere despite having some dysfunction in your childhood well i think again it's the grace of god because in both of our cases despite having parents who struggled mightily with mental health in many areas we still had loving kind of balancing parents on the other side. And I don't think either one of us doubt that even our bipolar parents love us. It's just how it's expressed and how we're able to interact with them is hard sometimes. And one thing that has been so cool to see is that because my mom has stuck in there with my dad, he has actually improved greatly, which is not normally the direction that bipolarism goes with age. It usually degenerates with age. And I really credit my mom's tenacity and perseverance, which the Bible says, you know, that suffering produces character and character produces perseverance and perseverance produces hope, which does not disappoint. And so just to see the hopefulness that has come through her willingness to hang in there through really hard situations. And Sean's dad is not a believer and we pray for him daily to become so, but he is what I would call um, a steady person And so he is also devoted to his wife and his family. So we had some stabilizing factors in our homes that I'm really grateful for. And we had um, parents who were involved, however, imperfectly. And so the neglect was not so much in lack of attention, which I think that we see so many kids who are raising themselves right now and um, are, are not able to even rely on their parents for maybe, maybe some basic care, but definitely not for, you know, warm family memory memories and, and for emotional support. So I feel like we still had some of that emotional support. We had some stable, stable parents on both sides or a stable parent on both sides and that helped. And then we had Christian influences. My husband didn't become a believer until he was in his early twenties. Um, but he had had Christian influence growing up And I feel like there are some people who the gospel comes into their lives and it kind of illuminates all the things they were already tending toward and just 
enlivens them with the truth of God's Holy Spirit, of his word. And so my husband was a very quote unquote moral person. And then the gospel enlivened that with true righteousness and truth. So to see the way that his becoming a Christian has led to his becoming a good spiritual leader in time, and then to both of our being able to, in answer to your question, form just a new family dynamic. I think our personalities are pretty different than our parents' personalities in a lot of ways. And um, we have just really clung to each other. We're still really close to both of our sides of the family. We still spend a lot of time with them. We still do life with them. But we have been able to form... The, to find the things that are important to our family. Just, it, 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 I think it takes a while. It takes a couple of, of years, if not more, before you start to recognize, like, we really enjoy this. So, like, for example, our favorite family holiday is Christmas. Um, I grew up in a home that we went to a variety of denominations, but one of them was Messianic. We lived in Israel for a while. So we didn't do as much with Christmas. And so now... Our family has all of these traditions that we have developed, Sean and I have developed around Christmas to um, honor the season as recognizing Jesus is the reason for it, you know, the cliche, but also just to promote joy in our family and things that our kids look forward to. The thing that we eat on Christmas morning for breakfast, I don't remember any of that as a kid. And so I'm so happy that my kids have that going forward, not because it, it in itself is so important, but because those touchstones of like, Remember how we always ate stuffed French toast for breakfast on Christmas? I love that they're going to have that. That's just such a simple thing, but um, it's something we've been intentional about, and I'm so glad. I love this conversation, Abby. It's so encouraging for moms to recognize that even if their own childhood wasn't perfect, they can recreate new traditions in their home and new, yeah, new experiences. And you know, one of the things that really helped me overcome my childhood was actually just journaling out sometimes like if I was upset about something even with my husband because some people listening might be like I don't want to stay with my husband because he gets angry or, or whatever you know for me I really had to journal some of those things with God and just ask him like what is true about this situation yeah because there are we're always going through experiences as mothers where we don't know like the Bible does not clearly spell out some of the nuances about motherhood right. and so learning how to take these things to the Lord and I just love how you and Sean have done that and created such a joyful family well and and you know because no matter how joyful a family is, that there will always be some conflict. There will always be hard times. There will always be moments where you feel completely tapped out and overwhelmed, where you don't feel as connected to your spouse. So I never want to even sort of imply that there's perfection here or that there's perfect balance or that we've got it all figured out. But I, I want to also express, and I say this in the book, that I'm so grateful, again, for the efforts that our parents did make to give us more stable homes than they themselves had, because I think we're benefiting from that. And we are reaping that harvest of righteousness of their commitment to that. Even in the case of my father-in-law, who's not a believer, just his, his willingness to stay and not go and be invested in his children. Um, it, it matters. And, and you can lay that foundation that, that turns the tide for your kids. And then we of course get to benefit from that and prayerfully, pass on even more benefit to our own children, who by the grace of God will have an even better foundation to give to their own children. Mm -hmm. And that's that legacy of righteousness that we see in all the begats, you know, this person begat this person and the Lord blessed him and the Lord blessed him. And then sometimes we see many times actually in the Old Testament that 
you'll have a king that does righteously and his son rejects that. And then the next king does righteously, you know, so we can't guarantee anything. We can't save our kids, of course. But I do think that passing down to him those legacies of intentionality are way more important than perfection. So good. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today, Abby. I'm going to link hard is not the same thing as bad in the show notes, as well as your your first book, M is for Mama, which is also such an encouragement to moms in very practical ways. I will also link where they can find you. Thank you again for sharing your wisdom with the Restoration Home community. 